Hi everyone, before we go into the podcast, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm super grateful for your continued loyalty and support. If you could do me a quick favour, if you could give me a review on Apple Podcasts, it really helps the algorithm and it will help this podcast go up the lists. If there are any subjects or topics that you want me to cover, uh, then please do reach out to me on uh, DM on LinkedIn and I will do my best to find the best guest for that subject or topic. This is the Absolute Business Mindset Podcast, created and hosted by Mark Hayward. This podcast will interview entrepreneurs, business owners and careerists. We will delve into their journey to success, key life milestones and go deep into their area of expertise. Get ready to learn from other successes and failures. Today we have Jotsna. Hello Jotsna, how are you? Hi Mark, I'm fine, how are you? Fantastic, yeah really good. As I said, we've got massive rain here in London and I was worried about the sound quality but I think we'll be alright. Um, so your, your strap line is that you're on a mission to help aspiring authors become published authors. So so tell me a little bit about your business and and what do you do? Well, I'm the founder and CEO of Happy Self-Publishing. We are a self-publishing agency for service-based entrepreneurs who want to package their expertise into a best-selling book. And we help them through the entire process of publishing the book, even if they are super busy to write the book. And we coach them to use the book to grow their business. So that's what I do. Uh, right now, Mark, I've been doing this for the last six years and we've helped more than 500 authors from 35 countries. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I was looking through the services that you do. So you do ghostwriting, you do editing, you do book cover design, formatting, publishing ebooks, websites. Um, and, and one thing I do want to talk about is uh, making a number one Amazon bestseller, but we'll come to that in a minute. So all the different services that you provide, what, which one's were you did you start with and which ones have you sort of added on as you've gone through this journey in the last six years well I got started with cover design and formatting initially mine was more like a product where people could just come to my website and click a button for $99 and buy these book covers and uh, formatting services that's how I started but over the years I tried to package them into uh, programs which people could Uh, take because for an author they just don't need one or two things they need so many different things and my latest offering is uh, not the ghost writing but the angel writing service so I can talk a little bit about that later so that's our most premium uh, service right now specifically for experts who are too busy to write their book on their own so tell me about that then what what's the service how do you help people who are just too busy to write their own (laughs) write their own uh, book Sure. So typically, um, when you think of ghostwriting, there is not a very positive vibe around it because authors think that, oh my God, it's my baby. How can I give it to somebody who doesn't even know anything about my topic? How can I trust them and make them write the book? That's because most ghostwriters would go do their own research, write the book for you and give it to you. So it's like a service that's, that's just commissioned off to somebody. But angel writing is very different. The angel writer works hand in hand with the author. So the book is the author's book. It is the author's expertise, story, message that gets packaged into the book. But the writer does the job of interviewing the author so that the author can take out all the information from their head and start speaking about it. It's just like this interview where a question is asked 
and the author just goes on and on because they are so passionate about their topic they can speak very well and all the information is recorded and the angel writer goes back listens to the recordings and writes the book without losing the voice and the tonality of the author so that's so that, how angel writing is different so that was my key point that I was going to try and expand on because Whenever you get someone else writing, sorry, whatever, however you want to ghostwriter, angel writer, um, it, getting the voice of the author is incredibly difficult. How do you ensure that you actually get the author's mannerisms, the way they talk, the way they speak, the way they write? How do you incorporate that part of your package? This is such a good question mark and I think that's what is the expertise of an angel writer because an angel writer doesn't just do the writing it's not enough if they have great writing skills they should have great interviewing skills and listening skills so that they can incorporate the voice and the tonality so what they typically do what we typically do is in the first few conversations we try to get the voice right so we also encourage our clients to send us some of the blog posts they've written some of the other interviews they've done or if they have a youtube channel and they have done some videos we like to watch all of that so we kind of understand the way the author speaks and we also would appreciate if we can see some of the shorter forms of writing that the author has done and that gives the writer a good uh, you know good enough uh, in- information about how this author would typically write if they write on their own but then it's 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 not as simple as that we write the first draft of a sample chapter and give it to the author and then uh, the author makes a lot of improvements and corrections to that that's why it's like that's why it's like a two way process it's not something that's just give, written and given mm-hmm. but the author gives a lot of feedback and usually within the first two or three sessions we try to get the voice right because if the voice is captured well the rest of the writing is pretty simple how much do you charge for it well our angel writing used to be given as a separate package before now we have incorporated that incorporated that as a part of impact amplifier which includes angel writing it includes the publishing and the promotions so all this put put together is available right now for 15999 us dollars okay so it's a significant it's, it's a significant chunk of money to to do that but you have the expertise how, how, what's the sort of time frame do you usually have from sort of start to finish on these sorts yeah, of yeah i was about to say that we take 6 months from start to finish 3 months for the writing and the next 3 months for the publishing and marketing wow okay and 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 so say say i wrote a book the editing services it might be interesting to explain how you best package your editing services because i would say I would say most people who want to write a book that are going to write a book, the most important thing is being able to um, have someone that is reviewing, editing, suggesting styles or how to approach it. How do, how do you approach editing from a, from a person that wants to buy those services? Sure. So a lot of authors come to us with a written manuscript. That is their first draft is written and then they need the rest of the things to get the book published. So editing is one of the first things we uh, recommend that they start with along with the book cover design. So our editing process after all the uh, you know years of experience that we had with multiple authors, we finally refined it and now we have four stages in our editing process. It starts with the content editing. We call it the manuscript review round where the entire manuscript is read by the editor 
just like how a reader would read the book and they give a report called the manuscript review report which talks about the content of the book we don't get it as a language and other things we primarily focus on uh, how the reading experience was was the flow good was it interesting was it captivating the reader or is there any information that's missing or did the author beat around the bush too much what needs to be added what needs to be removed that uh, high level input is given during the first round of editing once the author reads the report and incorporates these changes in the manuscript they send it back to us for the second round this is where the copy editing begins uh, some people also call it line editing where line by line we, the editor would read the book and give a lot of inputs on how it can be written in a better way so they would give uh, feedback on the vocabulary or the sentence structure and the author would be able to see all of this because it will be highlighted in a different color all these suggestions will be uh, highlighted and the author can actually accept or decline these changes now this is how we are different because we are not a publishing house which would dictate you know that this is the change i want to see on the manuscript instead we provide these suggestions and it's finally the author's book so we let them keep those changes or they can also give their feedback as to why they want to uh, decline that change so that's the second round the third round is the proofreading and here whatever has been missed out so far in terms of the typograph uh, the typos the um, uh, grammatical errors the punctuation errors all these things are finally polished we used to stop at this round before but now what we've additionally added is the fourth round of proofreading where the book gets formatted by the interior designer and before it goes to amazon to print our editor does one more round of proofreading because sometimes the proofread manuscript would look perfect but when it gets formatted two words would just you know stick together and a lot of those kind of mistakes happen and we don't want that so we do one more round of proofreading at the end before the book goes for publishing so that's how our editing is structured okay thank you and um and i'm i'm not sure if this is a uh, you you talk about getting the number one amazon bestseller how do you market that how do you how do you guarantee that or do you do uh, a strategy what what are the strategies that you do to be able to get that great question so we definitely guarantee this mark but it depends on the book so i we first take a look at the topic and then we give the guarantee so for most business books and self help books we provide this as a guarantee why because we have done it so many times and we have always had got the number one position for our clients and that's why so let me tell you how this works if we understand the algorithm of amazon we can pretty much aim for the number one position so unlike most other bestseller charts amazon's is an hourly chart which means every one hour amazon will take a look at all the books in every single category and subcategory and it would make a list of the top 100 so our goal is to make sure that our client's book uh tops the chart in at least one subcategory a relevant subcategory uh, which means it has to outperform the other books out there so what we do is we run a week long promotion a lot of people do promotion for months yeah i i like having ongoing promotions but the best seller launch should be focused and it shouldn't be spread uh spread out because all the efforts if it can be um you know focused in, inside a week's time 
then we will be getting a lot of traffic and conversion and the speed at which the book sells is more important than the total number of books it sells so we need to choose the categories wisely what i mean by wisely is uh, let's say i've written a book on productivity i can't just put it inside a broad self help category because i'll be competing against the uh experts the influencers who already have a huge uh, reader base mm. instead i would place my book in a smaller subcategory where the competition is not too high so that's really important and what we do for our clients is we put it under 10 different subcategories thereby increasing the chances of hitting the best seller and secondly to send the traffic to that page we pick a short duration of a week's time and we promote the book like crazy so we take make use of the author's existing audience which could be their email list their friends on social media and all of that in addition we also get in touch with a lot of promotional websites who have a huge email list of readers these people are genuinely waiting for the next new release and if they like the topic they end up clicking the button and buying the book so we get in touch with dozens of these websites and schedule these promotions so as a result on the days of the promotion these people get to see the book and we price discount the ebook at 99 cents so that is another reason why people should buy it rather than buy it later so people click the button if they like the book they go to the amazon page they check out the cover they check out the reviews they check out the description everything looks good they go hit the buy button and when hundreds of people do this within a few days the book automatically climbs the charts and hits the number one position Oh, interesting. That's very interesting. Okay, let's uh, let's jump back to your degree, which is nothing to do with <clears throat> with authoring or writing. It was nutrition yeah, uh, at the right. University of Madras. So, so tell me, tell me why you cho- chose nutrition as a as a degree. We'll be back after a quick break. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Uh this is a crazy story. In India, Mark, um parents want their kids to either be a doctor or an engineer. Uh even now it's like like that but when I studied 15 uh, years ago, uh that was the mindset of most of the parents. So my parents wanted the same out of me and I just uh went to a particular uh, college to write the entrance examination for my engineering degree i was the l- least interested in doing that but i loved the college where i went to write this exam so i looked around the place the college looked very interesting the food in the canteen was yummy so i thought i must study in this college i was only 17 back then mark so you can imagine my maturity level so i went to the website of the college and i looked at all the courses that college had had to offer luckily it didn't have any engineering courses but it had a lot of uh, uh, science based courses and i really liked nutrition and dietetics because i felt this is something that i can personally use in my life i didn't have any uh, long term ambition of uh, helping humanity get healthier or something like that i just thought it could i can just make use of this in my life probably give some diet tips to my friends and that's how i got enrolled in that course 
So, so there was no sort of long-term ambition to use it as a career. So what, 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 what was your, uh, your, your ambition uh, <laughs> at, at 17, 18, apart from making sure the canteen food was great? <laughs> See, then I joined. That was my, uh, you know, very selfish uh, reason to join. But after I joined, I really started liking the subjects and I really wanted to become a dietitian. But then things started to change because every year during summer, the college insisted that we did internship uh, to use whatever we learned in college. So I spent a good amount of time in hospitals working with senior dietitians and seeing how they functioned. And I was very disappointed because I felt that a dietitian could really make a huge difference in the lives of uh, patients who are going through a lot of uh, chronic diseases. So I thought I can really make a big difference. But then I realized uh, there were these predefined diet charts and dietitians were pr- pretty much like the doctor's assistant who were just jotting down whatever the doctor was saying and handing out those prescriptions to the patients. That was how the scenario was mm-hmm. back then. Now, of course, the awareness has increased. Hospitals are really stressing that this is really important. And even the general public is more aware of all these things. But then when in the places where I worked, I felt that there was hardly any uh, importance given to the role of a dietitian. And w- the worst part was they were getting just uh, paid peanuts. And uh, I thought this is not really going to even help me uh, fill fuel in my car. So this is not some a profession that I would want to really focus on because I really want to get paid well and uh, also feel important for what I was doing. And it was not really uh, matching those uh, requirements. Uh, wish I had known that I could probably start my own practice uh, you know, have private clients. I didn't have the knowledge back then. Back then, my only option was get a degree and get a good job. So since this was not really happening, I thought maybe I should choose my master's in some other area that could get me a better job. That's how that's I shifted. The business, that's when you did the Chennai Business School. Is that right? That's right. So I uh, wanted to do an MBA because that was uh, a time where most corporates were just directly hiring a fresh MBA graduate and paying them well. So I thought, wow, let let me then give it a try. And when I applied for a B school, this was a new B school in my city. And uh, they offer just three streams. I think one was marketing communications, the other was HR, and the other was retail. And the dean of the university told me that you speak well, so you can probably sell well in a shop floor in a retail store. So I think this is the most suitable uh, stream for you. And I just went by his advice. Maybe they just wanted to fill students for their first batch. So I don't know what was the reason, but I took their advice and I joined MBA in retail management. How does that connect with everything? So what were you doing once you finished your your MBA at uh, Chennai? What did you do after that? So luckily, the college really took a good effort in placing the students well, especially because I was in the first batch of their college. They gave us good jobs, much better than what my dietitian friends uh, were finding. So I was very happy about that. Uh, And uh, I joined as a management trainee in a big retail company. So at that time, uh, retail industry was booming in India because Previously, only the domestic companies were allowed to be setting up shops in India. But then 
at, during the time I was studying, all the big companies like Walmart and Tesco were all uh, allowed to enter India, so which means better jobs and better salaries. Mm. So I joined the industry when it was booming. So I quickly got uh, promoted from a management trainee to a department manager in a hypermarket kind of a format. And then I, I moved to a, a fashion store where I was managing that store. And then I got multiple job opportunities. So I kept jumping from one job to the other every couple of years. Again, if you can look at all this, there was no long-term strategy anywhere. <laughs> I was just trying to, it was like this next shiny object that caught my attention and I was moving. Uh, but luckily, all these companies were giving me different experiences on the shop floor because I was directly able to interact with the customer. Unlike the people in the head office who are making those buying decisions and things like that, I was actually able to feel the pulse of the customer by actually being uh, in the front end of the business. So soon I moved to become an area manager with a foreign uh, fashion brand where I was managing multiple stores. So my entire career in the retail industry was just for five years, but I'm really thankful for, for those five years because I think that kind of set the right foundation for starting my business. And it's interesting that you, did you choose or was this part of the suggestion by the, uh, by the uh, university to, or the college to, to have you front of house, to have you in front? What, what was the, what was the theory behind that? Because in the UK, and now I'm, I'm probably going to offend a large swathe of the, the, the retail industry. I think from our, our perspective in the UK, people of front house are generally not not really um, sort of assessed in the same way as sort of the buyers of the of the industry. I'm, I'm intrigued why you decided to go front of house. Uh, to be honest, um, we didn't have a choice. Okay. Uh, the people who were in the buying and the merchandising teams uh, came from the product background. For example, if I was in the apparel business uh, in an apparel retail store, hmm. then the buyer would have studied fashion designing uh, as their uh, uh, in their college. So yeah. that's why they they were considered to be more knowledgeable to do the buying and uh, merchandising and things like that. Whereas the difference, as you're right, actually, the people who are in the front end do not really need to be that skilled. That's what is the general perspective. Yeah. Um, so the people who are actually doing the selling, the um, the salespeople, are people who are, are probably school dropouts. But we who came from these premium business schools were managing these people. So it would take a front end staff 10 years to reach the position of a manager. Whereas if you do your MBA, it takes you six months to grow from a trainee to a manager. So that was also a big challenge for me because I was a 21 year old who was managing people double my age. And these are the guys, because they didn't have a degree, they, they were not even graduates. They were finding it very difficult to grow in the corporate ladder. Whereas we B-school kids just finished a degree and we just learned the basics for six months. And now we were asked to manage bigger teams. Right. So yeah, that's how, unfortunately, that's how the scenario is. Yeah. But then, um, yeah, you know, I think that is why uh, doing an MBA really helped me back then to quickly progress in the career. Okay. And, um, and where does uh, the Indian School of Business fit in the certificate that you did in women's entrepreneurship? Where does that fit into the, the chronology? Well, this happened after I quit my job. So I worked in the uh, retail industry for five years, though I was changing jobs. I was getting pay, paid uh, better and better. At one point of time, uh, 
especially when I got married, I realized that if I have to keep growing in my career in the front end, I had to move to bigger cities. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to get stagnant. And that happened for a year where I, I was getting these opportunities, but I could not move. I didn't want to move, uh, be living in a different city uh, because I wanted to be with my husband and things were not working out. So I thought that after a point, I'm going to get frustrated doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, doing the same kind of morning briefing with the team, doing the same kind of sales reports and meeting the targets. That was what I was doing. So somewhere I felt I was not really using my skills because that drive, that energy was gone. So that's when I thought, let me take a break because the best thing I could do was find another job. Instead, if I could take a break and really see if I want to do something else, this is going to be the opportunity. So I took a break for a month and I decided that let me start a business on my own. So my first business was a staff recruitment agency for the retail industry, because the only good thing I did in those five years was build a good network in the industry. A lot of uh, corporates, the human resources managers and the employees in the front end knew me. So I thought I can be a good bridge between the companies and the employees they wanted to hire. And I started a recruitment agency. Six months after I started the agency, I saw a newspaper ad which said Indian School of Business, which is one of the best business schools in India, is offering a program for women entrepreneurs. So they were getting funded by Goldman Sachs company. And we thought, I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity because I, I never got, I, never, I did not aspire to study in such a premium college. But now that I'm running a business, maybe it's going to help me actually use the B-School principles and really running a uh, business because what they usually teach in a college, uh, at least in India, is really good to get a job, but it's not good to actually become an entrepreneur. Mm. But this was this felt like more hands-on, more practical. So yeah. I applied for the course and I got selected, and that was a six-month-long program, which uh, where we were given mentors. Uh, we were having these uh, discussions with other entrepreneurs to help us uh, get better at what we were doing. So that's where in the chronology of my education, that's where Indian Biz uh, School of Business came in. And then, so, so you've got this recruitment company, you're, uh, you're doing that. Where, where, where does then the, 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 the publishing, the authorship come in from there? I, I, I was trying to do some research. You're, you're actually um, relatively hard to find a lot of details about. I was struggling to find a lot of uh, in-depth stuff about you. So where, where do we find the recruitment business into the, 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 the business of helping authors and, and, and publishing? <laughs> so Mark, this decision is something that I had to take after becoming a mom. So the recruitment agency was running pretty well for two years. Right. A lot of people told me that you need to invest a lot of money and time to grow your business. But luckily for me, from the first month of starting my recruitment agency, I was already cash positive. I was making money. I didn't have to invest much. I probably spent $1,000 in getting a website designed. And that's all that I invested in. Everything else uh, started falling in place because of the connections I built and uh, you know the positions I was able to close for them. But two years later, after becoming a mom... I realized that my lifestyle has changed forever because I wanted to be closer to my kid. Whereas in my recruitment business, I would make a hundred phone calls every day. I did not have a big team. I just had me and a couple of part-time people helping me with the calls. And then I would get a hundred phone calls from 
uh, people who wanted jobs. And then I would go to the retail stores, the high street, the mall, and directly meet a lot of people, teach them how to perform in an interview. So it was a very, uh, you know, on the field kind of a job. So I felt that after having a kid, I was not able to do all of that. And one day I clearly remember I was talking to the CEO of this big company, Tommy Hilfiger. And I knew if I had, if that call goes well, he's going to give me a lot of jobs for the next few months. But from the other room, I heard my daughter cry. She was just like three months old baby. And uh, I felt terrible because on one hand, I had to cut this call and apologize to that uh, CEO and say that, sorry, I won't be able to speak to you now. And on the other hand, I realized that the baby was just hungry and I was not taking care of her. And I felt so guilty about the whole thing. And that's when I asked myself, you know, why am I so desperate about growing this business? Can't I just take a break and just be a good stay-at-home mom? But immediately in the next moment, I felt, can't I just do both? Can't I really grow my career also as an entrepreneur and also be a good mom? So the only answer that came to my mind, Mark, at that time is that probably if I have a complete uh, online business where I didn't have, didn't have to attend phone calls, where I didn't have to go out of my house to do meetings, then probably I can do both. I can stay at home and work whenever I wanted to. And I had no idea about running an online business. So I went online and I searched how to make money online. <laughs> and I got a lot of results. But one thing that kept coming back again and again was this concept of publishing books on Amazon through the Kindle publishing platform. A lot of people, this was seven years ago, and a lot of people were doing this uh, in countries like the UK, Canada, and the United States. And I've never heard of anybody doing this in India. So what was suggested as a business plan was this. Find interesting topics that people are searching for on Amazon. Find a ghostwriter. Give them a couple of hundred dollars. Let them write a book for you by doing Google search mm. on that topic. Mm. Put a book together quickly in a week's time get a cover done from fiverr.com for five or ten dollars and put a pen name on the book and publish it and i did this uh, by taking a couple of online courses on how to do this as soon as i did that the next day i see money coming into my bank account and that was the first dollar i ever earned online and that was very exciting because i didn't have to go and sell the book it was pure passive income for me and i felt that there is this could be a gold mine and I started publishing more and more books. Within six months, Mark, I had 50 titles under different pen names on Amazon. And that was making me back then about $4,000 or $5,000, which was a very good income for, for being in a country like India. So I actually shut down my other businesses, which were really taking my draining my energy because I really didn't want to spend so much time on the business. I wanted to spend more time with the kid. Right. And I started to focus on this publishing business because every week I just had to put out one, one or two books and they were automatically generating good revenue. So I, I kept doing that for six months. And then I got the courage to finally write my first book on my own. So by the time a lot of my friends started noticing that I was doing something from home. I was also uh, being this new mom, doing all these things. And many people started asking me, hey, Jotsna, what is this online thing that you're doing? How are you able to run your business while being a mom and all these uh, things? So I thought maybe there are a lot of people who are unhappy in their jobs, just like how I was in my last job. And maybe they wanted to quit their jobs, but they didn't have the courage. They didn't have a framework or a system to guide them to do this. Mm -hmm. I had to 
really overcome my imposter syndrome because I was no by by listening to my story, you would know that I was not a super successful entrepreneur. I was just taking my first few steps into entrepreneurship. Yeah. But at least I had quitted. I had at least I had quit my job and started something on my own, mm-hmm. which was a big win for me back then. So I thought, let me at least share my story, and probably uh, inspire at least a hundred people through my book. Then that is actually a good thing. And what gave me the confidence was all the books that I had already published under pen names. So I knew the whole process of publishing. I knew how to get a cover done. I knew how to get it edited. So I wrote Job Escape Plan, put it out on Amazon. I had by then learned how to uh, use Amazon's algorithm to make it a bestseller. But soon after the book became a bestseller, people started actually picking it and featuring it on sites like Inc.com. I was getting interviewed on podcasts. That was an aha moment for me because till then nobody knew what I was doing. But suddenly everybody was curious to know my story. And that was a realization for me, Mark, for me to start Happy Self Publishing. Because still then, I was only publishing these ghostwritten books that were not really connected to me. I was just finding interesting topics, but I would hardly even read those books and I would put it out there. So that was not really giving me the fulfillment. But when I wrote Job Escape Plan, it was my story, right? It was my message to the world. And that gave me a very uh, nice feeling. And when people wrote the nice reviews for the book, it made me happy when they would message me saying, you helped me quit my job. It was it was just making my day. So I thought, like me, there are so many other authors out there, aspiring authors out there who really had this expertise or knowledge or story, but they did not have a um, have the resources to publish their book. And they were all depending on traditional publishing houses who are always rejecting them. So I thought, why not use all these resources I had, the designers, the editors, the formatters, put them all together as a team brand it as a company and start offering this as a service. So that's how uh, I think in December of 2015, I started Happy Self Publishing. And one of the things that you sort of say your USP is that um, you don't you don't take royalties for the book. You you just so how, how, how do you actually make a profit? How do you make make your money then from this business? Yeah, through the $15,999. So how do how we do this is, that's the difference between traditional publishing and self-publishing. Right. A traditional publishing house makes their money by selling books. So companies like uh, Penguin or HarperCollins, yeah. uh, their model is very different. They are very picky and choosy about the books they want to publish. Um, but once they decide to invest on a book project, the author doesn't have to do anything. In fact, the author gets an advance for uh, if they are lucky, you know, if they're already established, they get an advance. And then the company, the publishing company publishes the book. They invest all their time and resources and money in publishing it. But once the book starts selling, the publisher keeps the maximum to themselves. Like Amazon would take a small percentage. The publisher would keep almost 90, 95% of the money and the author gets somewhere around five to seven percentage. That's how the traditional model works. On the other hand, if you choose self-publishing, you don't need anybody's stamp of approval. If you think your book is worth uh, reading, you can go ahead and publish it yourself. However, it's like entrepreneurship. You invest the money up front and then you reap the benefits for the rest of your life. So you invest in a good a professional for doing the cover, doing the editing, doing the promotion. So you believe in your book and you invest in all these different things professionally. People can do it even for free. They can go to Canva and design their cover. They can ask their aunt to edit their book. A lot of people do that. And that's the difference between a 
book that is professionally published and a book that's been put together over a weekend so if you want to self publish it and do it well it's good to work with a with an agency like ours who do it for authors so we take money up front for the services we provide and then we publish the book inside the author's amazon account which means the minute it's published all the money that they generate directly goes to the author's account and it doesn't come through us so the author not just gets the rights and royalties but also the transparency because they can check out their dashboard whenever they want and they can choose what what how to price the book where to distribute it the author has complete freedom over all this interesting um and you've got an academy what's what's your i i, I was doing some reading and said that you you've created an academy is that is that part of the services that you provide to the authors We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Yes, that's right. So I see that there are some authors who are at the very starting stages. They don't finish the manuscript and come to us. They don't want to go with the angel writing also because they want to learn this themselves and do it themselves. So for those authors I thought it'll be nice if I can just package all the knowledge and information uh and those uh case studies of the work that we've done and give it to them in modules so they can it's like a home study course where they can learn at their own pace it'll teach you how to choose the topic for your book how to outline it how to um you know uh use some writing strategies to finish the book mm. on time so it has everything from writing publishing and marketing covered but it's not a service it's a, a it's a like diy kind of a course where authors can learn it and implement it and become a published author so that's what author success academy is all about awesome thank you um so what's the sort of plan for the next 2 to 5 years i think my right now my focus is impact amplifier uh, mark because there are all kinds of authors right people who write fiction novels people who write children's books Uh, but from my experience of working with different types of authors i've had the most fun working with authors who are entrepreneurs because i really get them because i have been through similar uh, journey right so i really understand why they want to write a book so that you know they can feel the confidence that they are really good first of all more than impressing a reader or a client the author feels amazing about themselves and that confidence helps them to build their business build their personal brand mm-hmm. and help a lot more people i have seen coaches who are able to increase their pricing i've seen speakers who are able to go on bigger stages after they write a book so i love working with entrepreneurs so my future uh, for the next 2 to 5 years is going to be to focus on impact amplifier which is specifically for authors who are already experts at whatever they're doing but it's just that they're not having the time to finish that manuscript and publish it that's that's always taking a back seat so through impact amplifier we provide two options to our clients Uh, a we give them a book coach who would guide them 
uh, every week by coming on a call, by holding them accountable, uh, looking at their work, giving them feedback and guiding them through the next steps to finish the manuscript. And then they can take our publishing and marketing services. Or the second option B is where you feel that even if there is a coach, I'm not going to sit and write, write it. No way. I have three kids who are too demanding. So if that's your uh, challenge, then angel writing would really work because here you don't have to write. You just have to appear on the call once a week and feel that it's an interview and just share your knowledge and the writer would do all the writing for you. So I think that's um, specifically for authors who are already having established businesses, but they feel that the book is a missing piece in their marketing puzzle and they just want to get that done. So that's going to be my focus for the next couple of years. Awesome. Okay, we're coming to the end of the interview. I ask the same six questions to all of my guests. They're quick fire mm-hmm. questions. They don't need a quick fire answer. Uh, first question is, what's the best decision that you made? In life? Life or business? I think it is to marry my husband. <laughs> that would be the best decision because because I got that one thing right. A lot of good things have happened in my life, right from my kids uh, to my uh, Uh, business to my uh, whatever education I've got everything has fallen in place because of having a very supportive spouse so I'm really happy about that decision awesome what's the best piece of advice you can give them Uh, well uh, I have uh, a mentor in my city he owns a chain of the biggest chain of salons in India and uh, in one seminar, when I met him, he asked me what I do. So while I was running my staff recruitment agency and I was unhappy about it, I tried starting two, three other businesses on the side. Mm-hmm. So when I met him, I was actually running four different businesses. So he told me just one thing. He smiled at me and he said, if you chase two rabbits, you will catch none. And that was such a powerful piece of advice because the minute he told me that I went home and I worked out the pros and cons of every business and finally decided that the self-publishing business is going to be my future. And that helped me to close down all the other businesses and focus on this. Um, Who's helped you most in your career? Uh, I would say my team. Uh, I, I don't, when I started my business, Mark, all my team members were freelancers. They were, part-timers they were contract employees but they stayed with me all these years they didn't have to you know they were free to go whenever they felt like but then they believed in the vision that I had for the company and many of them stay uh, stay, chose to stay with me for the last six years and now in the last one year I offered many of them the option of working with me full-time and they accepted it so I think these are the amazing people that I'm so uh, grateful to because without them I would have not been able to reach this far fantastic do you have any regrets in life yeah (laughs) uh i'm so happy for because everything that has happened to me so far when it happened i probably looked at it as a failure but today i'm able to join the dots and i'm feeling so grateful for every experience but if i really have to change something um Probably I should have uh, focused on, in my college years, I should have focused on something that I can really take up as my career. At that time, I, whatever I was choosing was just to get me a job with a good salary. Instead of having that short-term mindset, if I had really worked on 
researching on topics that I really liked and investing those years in, uh, you know, growing my um, acumen, I would have probably, you know, uh, fared much better. But then uh, I'm today I'm really happy in the space I am. So probably if that had happened, my life would have gone in another direction. Maybe I would have become a scientist or something and I didn't don't want to do all that right now. So, yeah, so that probably I should have been more focused in my college days. Mm. Uh, what are you most proud of? Most proud of? Mm. I think I, I'm a good mom and I'm really proud of that. Because cool. <laughs> just before this call, I just made sure that my daughter gets her help for the homework. So, uh I'm sure every mom does all this, but before having kids, uh, for many years, I was procrastinating that decision because I thought I'll be a horrible mom. But when I actually had my kids, I surprised myself by how uh, good I can be. And it took me many years to realize that because for a long time, I kept thinking I could be better and I could be better. But now that my kids are slightly grown, my daughter is eight and my son is five. And when I hear it from them, uh, that they are so lucky to have me, I really feel that I've, I've been doing a good job. So that makes me feel really proud. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what does legacy mean to you? Well, it's a great question. Legacy means something that we can uh, leave behind in any f- uh, shape or form that can benefit uh, the people around us long after we are gone. And the minute, the day I realized uh, what a legacy means was the day when my aunt passed away. Just a few months before she passed away, she asked me if I could publish her cookbook. She had a lot of recipes put together and she said her wish is to just have it as a book so that all of us in the next generation can use it. Mm. And I took it as a passion project that she had and my team helped her in publishing it. But I did not know that she's not going to live for long after that. Soon after she published it, we all had a copy of the book. But the day she passed away and I was at the funeral, I realized that, yeah, from the physical world, she's gone. But we are going to continue using her recipes in our kitchen. And that's her legacy. So that made me realize that your uh, building a legacy doesn't really mean you should have this charitable foundation that's contributing billions of dollars. Yeah, people who do that are amazing. But we can build our legacy in our own small way whatever that may be. Absolutely. That's really, really important and poignant. Um, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Great. The best place to uh, find out about us would be happyselfpublishing.com. So if you already have a manuscript ready, head over to happyselfpublishing.com and schedule a strategy session with me where I will, we'll go deep into understanding your book and helping you carve out the next steps for your book project. But if you're still thinking about writing your book and do not know what should be your next step, I would like to invite you for my live bootcamp that happens inside my Facebook group. So you can go to happyselfpublishing.com forward slash tribe. That will take you to our Facebook group, Happy Authors Tribe. And you can join there that for free and enjoy our bootcamp. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. It's been fascinating speaking to you. Thanks a lot, Mark. This was such a good conversation. Thank you so much for having me on the show. No problem.